Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of One Vision. Joining us today is an old friend of mine on the show, Margaret Hartman, CEO and founder at Marstone. And I know I should have done this a long, long, long time ago.、Uh, Margaret and I met years ago、uh, when she just started the company, and I was at ARP, and we met at First Republic Bank in Manhattan. That was a whole different story. So, welcome to the show, Margaret. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Theo. This is a super honor. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you. This is this is going to be fun. I look forward to it because、um, we are continuously we we seem to be passing ships. I run into you at events. I think last we met each other at Milken,、um, but we're always busy. And you're just amazing. You you've been doing this wonderful thing for the last ten years. So congratulations, ten years anniversary. You founded Marstone back in 2013. Oh. It's been a, a really interesting decade. Let's let's leave it as that.、Um, wanted to ask you first, what inspired you to start the company, and tell us a little bit more about what you do. And curious to hear more about the partnership models as well. Well, thanks, Theo.、Um, yeah, it is. It will be ten years, which is sort of shocking、um, on many on many fronts.、Um, but、uh, I was a financial advisor at Merrill Lynch for.、Um, Almost twelve years.、Uh, I began in San Francisco,、um, so right on the heels of the dot com era, and I was client facing from two thousand one through two thousand twelve. As my luck would have it, just at the end of two thousand seven, I decided I wanted to move back east and drove cross country with a friend,、uh, and landed in New York just in time for the financial crisis. So I was there on Sixth Avenue. At Merrill Lynch, and then、uh, lived through the events of、um, Bank of America's acquisition and. Um, you know the financial crisis, but it was really my time, having been a financial advisor, that inspired me to think perhaps there could be a new way of engagement、uh, for our industry with clients. So,、um, what I realized was that a lot of people lack financial literacy. It wasn't that they weren't bright、um, or educated or affluent.、Um, we, I just found that a lot of people don't have a natural gravitation towards money and speaking about it or investments. So I thought, could we create an Apple-like experience on the front end that helps people literally see themselves in their money and sort of demystify and humanize it for them?、Uh, of course, that technology would have all the sophistication of working with a professional underneath. But that was that was the first idea. The second idea was in the wake of two thousand eight. Um, I, I saw that a great, actually, the great wealth transference that we're seeing right now. Some of it actually began then, because when President Obama got elected, people had a bit of concern that maybe the tax codes were going to change. So I started seeing some early movement across generations, and thought, "Wow, when this money really starts moving, it's going to be really hard for any institution, banker, or advisor to keep their arms around these assets and deposits, and still serve their clients and grow." So I thought, could the same system that helps the retail client could also help the advisor better serve、uh, their clients, or really the back office folks? Because as you know, they do a lot of the work. They don't get all the glory, but they do a lot of the work. And then the third challenge was that, you know, when I left、um, the industry, the, typically the advisor was 55 years old. The average client at the big wire houses was 66. And we didn't really have any meaningful way to to service、um, the growing populations and the demand. So, I probably very naively and ignorantly left a successful advisory practice, and I decided to create an enterprise-worthy、uh, digital investment solution that would 
was going to be available to any financial institution that wanted to offer wealth management and and planning. And uh, I decided to partner with leading custodians and banking core companies. So I knew that every institution was going to eventually have the problem that I saw back in 2010, which is the wealth transference was going to create so many small balanced accounts or, or, or fractioned um, assets and that there was no way that we could do man-on-man combat. We really needed technology to complement the expertise and service of existing advisors and, and bankers. I wouldn't say naively though, because I remember when we first met, that was when I was frantically looking for companies like Marstone um, people that understood our story at that time is, hey, there's a wealth transfer. Hey, we need someone to take care of the older and the younger generations and something that we can use with technology. And you were one of the first ones. Um, I remember that I talked to, there were a few others, but there were not that many. So I, if anything, I would say you were actually, you had, you had the foresight to start before people piled on afterwards. So, and I, I like that. Um, now, looking back at the past 10 years, I had no idea that you actually drove across country. That's wild. Um, <laughs> you need to tell me more of a drink when we meet again in, in person. But knowing what you know now, um, having seen what has transpired in our industry as well as in our society, if you would have a chance to tell your younger self 10 years ago, hey, um, perhaps you should have done something differently or perhaps you should have like know about this before you do X. Did anything take you by surprise? Probably a lot of things, but one thing that... um I never expected it to take so long for the mass market to be ready to adopt. So uh, I was the first one for sure to go B2B to C. We were never a direct-to-consumer client. And my feeling was we weren't really going to disrupt financial services and with regards to wealth management from the front door. Um, there's too much sticky technology with the custodians and cores that it would be really difficult for someone to adopt something that wasn't tied to that. So that was a really lucky and smart decision um, that I think a lot of other people have pivoted to try to mimic. But I would say that it wasn't until COVID that financial firms beyond the big wirehouses and banks were ready to actually embrace and adopt and deploy these solutions. So some of the people that we were talking to seven years ago are really only able to like embrace it now. What what I think happened was when the Department of Labor fiduciary standard went away um, with the Trump administration, I think a lot of people put digital on a back burner. They knew they had to do it. They were going to do it, but it wasn't a pressing priority right then. Um, so I think that it took longer. We were both settlers uh, or pioneers and settlers. So to your point, we were one of, the, one of the first ones to do this. There have been a lot of other competitors. A lot of them have gone away one way or another. And now we're at a position where we frankly have survived, um, where we are able to work with all sorts of institutions. So that, that would be like the first one is I really didn't expect it to take this long. But, but if you look at innovation cycles, it's all happening right on time, right? You have the first movers, the early adopters, and then there's a good shakeout. And then it's like the mass market is ready and has been educated. The other thing that I would say, and especially for anyone who's looking at starting a startup or has a startup 
and they're trying to decide if they go direct to consumer or enterprise, they're very different life cycles and they have very different um, benefits and pitfalls. So I think one thing that I probably learned, I wish I'd thought of or experienced early is sometimes some of the big strategic partnerships that you think are going to lead to all sorts of third-party distribution or other things. Sometimes um, they don't work out. And I think for a small company that you have to, if you can get the patterning and awareness or set timelines or um, decision points for yourself, I think that's really important because it's not that the bigger corporation is trying to do um lead you down a bad path or whatnot. It's just they they operate very differently. Their time cycles are very differently. And large institutions are often highly matrixed in their decision making. And um, the last thing I would say is you always want to work with a business unit that has a PL that your product could actually be utilized on day one. You can't see me, but I'm nodding my head, especially to your second point. I lived and breathed it. And uh, it took me three years to realize, oh, wait, no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there are oftentimes founders look at just the brand. They look at the logo. Yeah. And say, oh, my God, this will be so cool if you can get this logo. For sure. The journey to that logo might not actually be worth the time and the effort. So I, I cannot agree more. Yeah. And I also think like, I remember we were really fortunate, like BNY Mellon Pershing was our first uh, partner. We were the first ones to fully plumb into the back of them. Actually, HSBC was our first client. I would say we were, we were really fortunate that we had early good partners that got to the end of job. There were other strategic partners that we danced with for a long time. And it's like boiling a frog. You don't know that you're, you don't know until you're like, wow, it's been 12 to 18 months or I remember one of them came back and I went to our chairman saying, so-and-so's back. I, I would like permission to say no. And he, he asked why. And I said, because there's been 30 different people who told me they were the decision maker and I think we'll die there. And he's like, yep, that sounds like a good decision. <laughs> I pass it, so. Right. And especially if you're a startup, you cannot afford that. It takes your focus away from what yeah. you're supposed to be doing. And it takes time and energy. And And I really wish a lot of the larger companies would understand this. P please don't, please don't drag people through 15, 20 meetings through different groups. And it, it's, this is not fair. It's not a fair game. So please stop doing that. Yeah. Um, so what is the one thing that, that you wish, right? Knowing what you know now, having gone through what you've gone through, what's the one thing that you wish more people would have paid attention to in what you're doing, but they didn't? Well, I don't know if it's fair to say that I wish they paid attention to it. Maybe I didn't do a great job of always articulating it. Um, well, I, I don't know that wealth, on one level, wealth management is really interesting to people because they see the benefit that smart wealth management does, you know, to potentially your happiness and longevity and security going forward. But I think people throw all of fintech in the same bucket and, and it's such a broad spectrum of of all the different things that fall in fintech. But I, I guess if I, I guess one, one thing that I wish people had maybe paid attention to or appreciated was how significant it was to do these integrations to these leading backend businesses, because what is enabled Marstone, we literally can deploy, depending on the engagement model, we can employ, we can deploy a client in anywhere from two weeks to six months. 
And that's because we have this repeatability of the technology. And I think um, maybe people who had bigger marketing dollars or like really um, other eye popping kind of things about them, people are like, oh, this is a cool widget or this is, you know, they're backed by so-and-so. This is going to be really easy. And a lot of a lot of the first movers who went with other solutions have since come back to us and they're like, oh, now we get why you guys beginning at the back end and being able to push out forward and having all of this customized and configurable stuff on the front end, but having the backbones on the back end with our custodian or our performance engine. Now we see why that matters because it's very difficult to get multiple vendors to work nicely together. We all have competing priorities and whatnot. So um, in fact, a lot of a number of other custodians have actually come to us say we'd like you to integrate with us because we think the way you do integration just makes a lot of sense for us, but also our clients. It's really manageable and scalable and repeatable. So, but it wasn't sexy, right? Everyone wanted to talk about taxless harvesting or all these other things that we do, but they missed. I think they missed the point a little bit from an enterprise point of view in terms of the way Marstone does it is cost effective, time effective and really reduces a lot of errors um, and cuts a lot of costs. I like that. And 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 your point about starting and, and looking at the back end, looking at, you know, what it takes to build it and you reduce the time of integration and all of that is not sexy, but it's important. And it kind of drives the point to some of the things that we see in the industry too, you know, uh, our VCs attracted to things that look sexy and fun. <laughs> For example, one of the buzzwords um, in the last few months, uh, how can we use AI? How can we deploy ChatGPT and all of that? Mm-hmm. And not thinking back through what exactly is the problem you're trying to solve? What is the challenge that people need help with? And where do you fit in, right? Where do we put technology? You don't put it because for tech for tech's sake or because it's fun to do is because that's where it's needed and that's where you can make the most impact. And um, that's how you guys are different. Well, thank, I mean, thank you for that. I mean, I think that we were not, and I would say that enterprise digital wealth or robo for an awful term, but um, was not, enterprise was not sexy or appealing to, the typical VCs, actually to any VCs, people, the VC money actually gravitated towards the direct to consumer play. Um, And I think because it's exciting when you think about like, you know, the total addressable market of the U S that you could go after and open these accounts and you don't need this bank, you don't need this wirehouse or wealth management platform. I think what people lost sight of is that most people have a lot of fear and anxiety around money and investments. And it's really hard to create a new financial wealth management brand, you know what I mean? When most people aren't gravitating towards that. And it's hard enough when you have the Merrill Lynch or Morgan Stanley or Goldman machine behind you to actually get wealth management clients, never mind when you're a totally new brand. So the client acquisition costs were pretty um, exp- expensive. But but I do understand now 10 years in and you know, a first time founder, but one with like miles on the odometer, I do understand why actually VCs don't gravitate towards enterprise because they they know all the pitfalls, right? You might decide to partner with the first one that like actually takes you down a bad path. You may not get to the end of job. You another thing I think that we learned, which I wish I knew about earlier, was people will actually buy and build something and never market it. <laughs> 
You know what I mean? Like there's just like a bunch of banana things that you can't even imagine until you've been in the movie. So again, like I try to mentor founders or even VCs or investors who are looking at enterprise solutions so that I can help them on a certain level, avoid some of these pitfalls or um, put certain, you know, certain provisions in them that protect them. But, but I understand like, this is a very long timeline. There's a reason why, you know, BlackRock has exited the future advisor business. There's a reason why certain people married up because it's taken a long time for the the industry to be ready. Uh, And yeah, it, it, it it was just, it was, it took, it took a long time. Sometimes, sometimes some of the things is worth waiting for. Um, (laughs) Oh, now that sounds like a Hallmark card. All right. (laughs) Let's get back on track. Um, Something, something more pertinent to, to what's happening today. Um, Mm -hmm. Inflation, healthcare cost, uh, economic uncertainty, all of these things. These are headlines um, that has been floating around things that people worry about. You see it in the, um, financial reports that companies are sending out. You see it in the news headlines. People talk about it. It impacts practically everyone. And I would be the first to admit, it seems like there are so many things that need our attention, personally and professionally, that we don't even know where to start. Take retirement, take financial security, for example. Uh, One of the things I, I remember one of the studies that was done quite a while ago, people don't want to think about long-term financial security because they are so overwhelmed with the day-to-day that we have to worry and think about that you can't think beyond what what we can see and feel right now. Um, I don't know if there is a way to get out of that. Um, if If you were to ask me one of the things I wish we could do more of in with technology, with fintech, with financial services, things that we could hopefully potentially control and influence is to help people grasp that, to help them create a pathway so they could be more secure financially. What would your advice be since you've been in, you know, different different roles um, as a financial advisor and also as a founder looking at this phase, what would you tell people that, they should be doing well. What one of the things I'm excited about now that the you know COVID's behind us and the like I would say the general banking and credit union and uh, regional bank space is really embracing wealth management in part because they have to you know increase non-interest income and also banks and credit unions are waking up that hey if I don't offer wealth management or other services to my core clients, the deposits are actually quite vulnerable when they go to the next generation. It's, I mean, if nothing else, Silicon Valley Bank and First Republic and others showed us how quickly money moves now, right? And so without these other ancillary businesses that are a bit stickier and and have more personal relationships, we're, we're kind of vulnerable. I also think that each year we see studies that um, clients are actually really looking to consolidate their their assets and and their relationships under one or two roofs. So that's another thing. But to answer your direct question, I find that I'm super excited about working with community banks and credit unions because they they often are mission driven. 
and they have a idea of of stewardship. Not that the others don't, but that when you look at the the surveys of trust and why people work with community banks and credit unions, it's, it's quite it's quite strong. And I think what the community banks did with PPP and uh, helping small businesses in their backyard, I think that just really deepened that trust and that willingness to open doors of other banking relationships. So I just spoke to a really groovy community bank up here in New England um, that's quite sizable. And they're really excited about working with us and beginning with the segment that really is like from zero to 25,000 to be able to serve folks that they previously hadn't. And they're particularly excited about our financial wellness and inclusion tool maps. But what I think you need to do is you need to offer solutions that have very low barriers of entry, both in dollar amount, but also technology ease. And then you have to make it so that it's automated. So if someone opens up a savings account or they open up an investment account that you uh, set up automatic savings and investments from your pay period. Because what we've found through 401ks or other things is that anything that's automated tends to stay on track. When you remove the decision-making and the psychological questions, is today the right day to go into the market or is it not? If you set it and forget it, that works. And then if you have things where they can measure and see their progress aligned to a goal or to another plan, that is key. So can you create like starter banking and investment solutions for kids getting out of school? Can you start merchandising it so someone just graduated from school or there's a new baby? All the hit, all of the data is there. The earlier you start, the more successful you're going to have. So how do we get these good financial habits and hygiene uh, embedded into people's minds and practice earlier. And again, you just want it automated and as easy as possible because then you basically set individuals on this incredible um, guide path, glad path. What you said earlier reminded me something. Um, and I remember, I think this, this was one of the things you told me quite a while back the Apple-like experience mm -hmm. that, that you were grabbing towards. And now what you just said is auto make, make it easy. Those two themes reminded me of Apple, their savings account product, mm -hmm. because they want to make it easy. You had the money that is left from using the Apple cash. It's been sitting there. Why not move it into a savings account so you can get a little bit of interest and they automate it so you don't have to do it yourself and helps you build up this concept of, oh yeah, I can do this. And it, it slowly, hopefully help people build up a little bit of, of a pool of resources to tap into, be it for emergency or fund money or, you know, for long-term doesn't matter, but it's, it's the getting you started and helping to automate. I think that is so key because that's something that anyone can do. Um, and it, and it makes it easier. Humans are really interesting. I know if there are ways that I can automate my life, I think I, yeah. I would be much better off than having to think about, Oh, I need to do this and I need to call this and I need to log into this. And by the way, I forgot my, right. It's, it's our life is so overwhelming already. So make it easy, simple, stupid. And, um, I truly, truly do believe that no one, no one, would sit there and say, I want to be poor. I think as we all need a little bit of help. And if we can use that with tech and to make it easier for people, let's do that. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And now like with the advancement of like different custodial stacks and solutions like Marstone and, and online banking platforms and whatnot, you really can go into deeper into the community in a way that you couldn't before. And, and what I like about, again, working with the community banks and credit unions, they're seeing our financial wellness platform maps and our digital wealth solution they see they see that maps might drive people to mortgages or savings accounts or you know um hsas and that's still a win for the bank and from marston's viewpoint that's a win for us because at the end of the day we're actually a mission driven company we decided to go enterprise because we wanted to have the greatest impact and enhance financial inclusion so our thought was go where the people and the money is and that's institutions so it's really exciting to see this market embrace these solutions and really want to serve these communities in a way that it wasn't that they didn't want to five years ago is they really weren't sure how, and they had a lot of other competing interests, but now it's, it's really, it's really exciting to see the interest and the demand. Yes. And everything is coming together. So if I were to ask you to make a prediction of what you might see in five years, because you've come down 10 years, things have changed and, you know, things are getting together. All the pieces and puzzles are getting together. Um, as you say, you know, where the masses is, where the people are with the credit unions and community banks, you are able to, to be there and they can leverage your technology and your company and you know how to help more people. What would we see in five years' time? What are some of the things that you think you will see on top of the list? Well, I think you're going to see more and more uh, folks like Apple that are getting into the space. I think um, I think we'll see more partnerships too uh, with more and more fintechs and banks. So those are kind of pat answers, I guess. But I do think we're going to continue to see the merger of banking and wealth and also marriage with consumer products. So there's no reason why you won't see some of this with like a TJX card or a Walmart or a Target or whatnot, because the phone or the watch has become people's wallet. And, you know, whoever has the eyeballs in the real estate is going to have an opportunity um, to capture that client and then introduce to other partner services, because it's about time, ease and trust of brand identity. and. Um, you know, there, there are just certain leaders with that. But again, I also think that anything that is automated, repeated, repeatable, and also that you can measure towards success, I think those are just going to continue to be hallmarks where there's not a lot of individual silos and there's not a lot of individual activity that you have to take at different sites. Let's break down the silos. I like that. That was the, you know, this is like me being naive. I remember when I first moved to the U.S., this was back in early 90s. Um, I was in college and when I graduated, I'm like, oh my God, what are all these things? Like you have to have a back then, you had to have a new bank account when you move states and you had all of these things. You have um, the plans and help you save money, but you can do this. You cannot do that. There are all kinds of rules. And fast forward, when did HSA come out? About 10 years ago or maybe just a few years ago. It, it just feels like there is a so many different products and so many different options for, for people. 
and intimidating at times. So I would love to see a little bit more confluence and things coming back together, making it simpler and easier for consumers to leverage what we have to get to where we need to be. And that's why that's why I think some of the consumer brands are in a really good position because they do take a, a client first consumer experience approach where I think our industry and the banking and whatnot is often it's just the way it's organized and its or, organizational leadership structure is uh, is different lines, oftentimes different technologies behind it, also competing compensation structures. Um, and they look at it in terms of product and service. Uh a consumer company or a technology company, they might look at it differently, right? Because it's less product service uh, delineations. So I think that that, that's one of the areas. Um, I also think when you think about all of the data that different technology or consumer brands come and get from their clients, they're very easily going to be able to offer things like life insurance or, you know, 529 or health insurance or things like that in a way that is quite easy uh, because they have all the data, they have the data models and whatnot. So we, we have to think about how do people like to consume? Who do they trust? And then who has the data and has the eyeballs and engagement of the client when they have those milestone moments, right? You know, in all big branding, uh, they'll say, you know, there's a reason why different products are available when you first go to college. And for the girls, they might be introduced to these products and the guys might be this. It creates that brand identity and loyalty at certain points. That is the insight that hopefully those of you who are listening will take that to heart. Um, And I cannot wait to see how our industry will transform. So thank you so much, Margaret, for spending time with us today. Love what you do, cheering for you. And um, I I wish you and your team the best. Um, You are awesome. So thank you. And uh, for the rest of our listeners, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of One Vision. We'll talk to you next week.